All right, welcome to Old School Jank Uger. Steve O with us today. Surprise appearance. That's right, I like it. Ben Mankowitz uh, with a very nice jacket. Uh, do we? That's a sports jacket. <laughs> Nailed it. Yes, it is. Okay. All right, so here's a, here's the thing. You can tell right away he's a fashionable guy, and here's why. The jacket's perfectly nice, and I will see this jacket and think, that's a nice jacket. <laughs> uh -huh. But I wouldn't have the courage or even the mindset to wear it with the zip the zipper upper thing, right? I've become a big fan of this, and it gets a lot of, I must say, it gets a lot of compliments. Yeah. Like I, I was at a TCM meeting today, and I came in, and the head of talent was like, did you do this yourself? Yeah. No, <laughs> like, this is yeah. what I would see on the mannequin at the store. I'm like, I like this, I like this get up. <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, no, no, I'll take the whole thing. Right? That's right, that's right. And, and because it, it shows a certain confidence that intimidates others into believing you know what you're doing. That's right, that's yeah, sure. That's a good point, yeah. Yes, so yeah. I could do this, like a regular button-down shirt and a jacket, yeah. or I could do this, slob, right? <laughs> yeah. But I can't do this. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm I I think you for. could, you just have to do it once. I bought this jacket and another jacket. I, I splurged and spent a lot of money because I was depressed about gambling losses, and so I thought I'd-, I'd Double uh, down on- yeah, consumer yeah. goods um, losses. But it's like, uh, you I know. I totally get that. You know why? Because for the first time you want to spend something, uh, money on something where right. you actually get something. Right. But it, and it, it, it makes you feel good like, okay, no, I spent money, but I have a jacket. But Nobody also, could take this jacket away. Yeah, and it's also like the stimulus package. Uh -huh. Like we're gonna buy our way out of trouble. Oh, okay. right. well, that, that's a little less rational, but <laughs> it's not rational at all. <laughs> but but we're, one time we're, we're, well, one of the many times we're in Vegas gambling, one of our friends, he instantly won like 800 bucks. So did. he said, I'm gonna lose this money for sure. I'm gonna go downstairs and buy an $800 watch. I don't, I don't need a watch, I'm gonna just buy one. Mm -hmm. Because it's better than just losing it right away. Disagree. DJ. Yeah, so uh, that's, no, but kind of genius though. Yeah, of course. Because yeah. he has that watch. And yeah. the chances of him losing that $800 was approximately 90 52%. <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, at least fifty-two yeah. percent, but maybe ninety-eight percent, depending mm -hmm. on how long he played. Yeah, right. And so, on the other hand, that dude's pretty lucky. And yeah, no, I didn't think of Sujay because you guys tell all these stories about how you know. Yeah, lucky. So we have now another friend like this that I don't. I, well, you know, you may have met him, but uh, our friend Jake, Jake, uh -huh. Jake cannot, Jake cannot stop winning things. Yeah, yeah, he's what uh, Trump told us about. Yeah, like he's almost tired of winning. Yeah, he's. I mean, he, he Jake, <laughs> right. this guy Jake won. He won our little playoff fantasy thing for like the third time in four years. Uh, he, that there was a five pick pool where you'd pick five games against the spread. He finished in the top five nearly every year. He won it, I think, once if not twice. Like uh, nationally. Yeah. No, I mean, well, like, is he lucky or is he just a genius? I mean, he's like he's an idiot. I've been to Vegas. With him. <laughs> he's, he's like all of us. He's an idiot. He's a screenwriter. You know, he's a good one, but he's not like super successful. You know, he doesn't. He's not like made of money. Um, and he just keeps winning. Like all these little things. We hey, you want to join our little fantasy league? Uh, Ten and four. You know, he just it's just everything. And he played. He won like some. He won thousands of dollars on uh, FanDuel daily fantasy basketball. And I mean thousands, thousands of dollars. And they, I don't know if you guys have been to Dodger Stadium, but they, they play. He owns it now. They basically play Keno yeah, at Dodger yeah. Stadium. They hand out like a raffle ticket. It's $20. So obviously I do it every time. And the, uh, <laughs> and they, uh, uh, and like, and then at the end of the night, there's $58,000 raised, and half of it goes to the Jimmy Fund or whatever. And, and then the other half goes to the one fan. Like it's a nice thing. They don't split it. It's not like a, it's one winner. He's sitting there with his family. $29,000. Oh, oh my God! Twenty nine thousand. I think won like a hundred bucks. No, twenty nine thousand. Just went to a wow. That's pretty thousand. good. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, guy can't see, can't yeah. stop winning. Speaking of winning and not stopping winning, I won our fantasy football league again, and people are pissed about it. And they called me the Bill Belichick slash Tom Brady of our league, which they thought was an insult, but I took it as a massive compliment. Oh, no, who called you that? What Con. What idiot called you that to give you that kind of a compliment? That, oh, uh, I that loved now it. Now cannot be turned back. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm the Mike Smith of our league. <laughs> the, the Buccaneers coach that yeah. lasted for like a year and a half yeah, yeah. and was known for being no, kind was, of a buffoonish He went to the, Falcon, he he went to the, the Falcons, Falcons coach. And then yeah. he did a thing I really admired. He went for it on like fourth and four in overtime on his own 26. Because he was like, if we punt the ball. They'll win the game, uh -huh. and you know, and they, they got two yards, and they turned the ball over. And the other guys kicked a field goal, and they lost. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but I was like, I like it. 
You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, my bad. Uh, who am I thinking of? The guy who was a Rutgers coach and-, and Greg Schiano. Uh, and then he became the Buccaneers yeah. coach and yeah. it was like buffoonishly yeah. temperamental. If you want, if you yeah. want I thought Mike <laughs> Smith was funnier because it's a blase, it's a bland, such a bland name. I'm yeah. the Greg Schiano. No, 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 Mike yeah. Smith's perfect. Yeah. I, I, I withdraw, yes, that's- Bland. But he like, actually, oddly enough, he was the Buccaneers defensive coordinator this year, and he got fired like three games into the season. And then at the end of the season, he didn't have a job. He retired. He announced, like, I'm not going to coach football anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, but like when you got fired in season in week three and no one picked you up, it's not a lot of coverage of your retirement announcement, right? No, that's right. Yeah. And and but I he's like back Smith though. He, he's back in the league as a as a coordinator. No, he, he, re he retired from oh, football. Shiano? No, no, uh, Smith. Oh, Mike Smith. Yeah, yeah, Shiano yeah. is somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna get to politics because I'm actually amped up on politics in a sec. But but I, I like Mike Smith as an analogy so much because people are like, I think, yeah, you know what? I think he could take the Falcons places. No, no, he couldn't. Yeah, no, he could. yeah, right. <laughs> no so, we were wrong about him. No, he's as uninteresting as he sounds. No, I think, and, and what's his name? <laughs> Dan Campbell, whoever took him to the Super Bowl. Is that who took him to the Super Bowl? Is that their coach now? Is that, I have that wrong? No, that's wrong. Uh, Dan no. Quinn. Dan Quinn. Yeah, Sorry, Dan Quinn, Campbell yeah. was the, the yeah, briefly yeah. The, the Dolphins coach. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Dan Quinn replaced Mike Smith. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, so um, before you get there, I just want to say so after they called me the Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, I was. They, they, they. I guarantee it was one guy. It was one guy. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 one guy. Yeah. And then I, and I was you know, enjoying that, that insult. Mm -hmm. um, someone else said, well, you know, thank goodness football is over. Now we have the fantasy basketball playoffs to look forward to. Mm -hmm. I was like, hmm, can you remind me who's the current champion of that? <laughs> yeah, this is it, was, it was me again, unbearable. right? Yeah. So they're like, they're like, ah, damn it. And then Dave Kohler sends this random screenshot of a draft that we did several years ago uh, in fantasy football. Like, remember this year when we did this draft? I was like, yeah, who won that year, <laughs> right? It was me again. So now they stopped all conversation. Yeah, yeah well, as we're about to. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Can't stop winning. Yeah, just can't stop uh, winning. You, you and Jake. Uh, and, well, Sujay has a famous story where, well, Sujay taught me something. And, and then uh, I actually want to tell you about how I taught my son how to gamble, which is a great story. Anyway, uh, Sujay once shut down a, a casino. Uh, now it was in Honduras and oh, it right, was at yeah. a hotel. Uh, but he won 5,000 bucks and they just did not have any more money. Right. And so they were like, nope, sorry, casino is closed casino down. Is okay, closed down. We no longer have any money. We're like, people, what happened? That guy won it all. <laughs> okay, it's funny because it's only five thousand to shut down a casino, but it's a, it's a good story, right? Did he buy a plus? It's five thousand dollars. Did he buy a five thousand dollar Honduran watch? <laughs> <laughs> he did not. But here's what Suji taught me about gambling. Um, he's like, look, uh, once you're up, go nuts, yeah, which right. is the opposite of the watch story. Right. But that's what he's also. That's why I was surprised that. Yeah, it was he's like, because then you're playing with house money, okay? And once you're playing with their money, make them pay. No, no, that, no, that's what I've. That's literally what I mean. I, my last trip to Vegas, I got. A, I, you know, I, I hate playing blackjack now, but things worked out, and I, I won five hundred dollars very quickly. And I, and I thought, great, I'm going to turn this into real money. I did not. <laughs> you put a Mike Smith. Yeah, I went yeah. to bed that night even, and I haven't been close to even in the six weeks since we were there, or five weeks since we were there. Yeah. <laughs> I've lost thousands and thousands of dollars. So, last thing about gambling is that, um, so. In Chinese New Year, you're supposed to gamble. So if you're been to Vegas or Atlantic City or any of these, uh, you know, gambling towns, uh, if you're not familiar with it, you'd be surprised at how Asian everything looks, right? It's because uh, it's all red, right? Yeah, it's all red in um, in Cosmopolitan or Aria. Um, there's a giant, giant golden pig, the size of a room uh, statue up now because it's the year of the golden pig in China, because it. Gambling is built into Chinese culture, and so of course it's. I mean, it's stereotype. It's not a stereotype. Is every Asian person a Chinese person into gambling? Of course not, right? But here's what I mean by that: it, in in Chinese New Year, you're supposed to gamble, like the whole family's supposed to gamble, and you teach your kids how to gamble. So it's not surprising that that it would be then create a culture that would get yeah, that gambles more, and hence Vegas is trying to draw them in with the giant golden pigs, etc. Anyway, so. Uh, and and you get red envelopes, so the kids go quila quila something something right, and going she going she she ha was you get it, uh, and uh, and then um, 
I can never remember it. Then the elders give them red envelopes and inside of it is money. And then later you gamble with that money and you play dice, okay? So, but to double up the gambling, some of the parents that gave to Pro and Joy put scratch offs in there, okay? So now if you get three of the same, in these particular scratch offs, if you get three of the same number, you're gonna get that amount, right? So there's four bucks, eight bucks, 12 bucks, these are the increments, 100 bucks, 888 bucks. So. Pro scratches off two $888 oh. ones, okay, and like, he's an eight-year-old, mm-hmm. okay, so he's like, boom, 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 <laughs> boom, boom. He's like, I could have 888 points, he could, like, because I call him points when I, you know, give it to him for doing something good or getting uh, something wrong, right, uh, deducted for doing something wrong. So he's like, oh my God, like, he can't fathom what 888 points would buy him, like, that is, Unbelievable, and then so and then he get scratches off the rest, and of course he didn't win. Um, so now instead of getting five dollars, he got those two scratch offs, and and I said, okay, pro. So if you had a ten percent chance, because he understands percentages now, if you had a ten percent chance of winning that eight hundred and eighty-eight. Would you rather take that or the five dollars that's just guaranteed? You know, and he's like, oh no, the five dollars. I'm like, wrong. <laughs> the 10% is worth $88.80, because it'll happen 10% of the time. And I explained that concept to him, and he's like, mm. And I think that I accidentally made a massive gambler out of him. I don't know that it's so bad. I don't know that understanding that. I don't think that you can't convince me that being introduced to gambling like that at an early age is going to make you a, a, a dangerous gambler. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it might work the exact opposite way. Yeah, he's cautious by nature. Yeah. You know what? Later when we played dice, he still bets the minimum. I'm like, I look at him and I'm slightly disappointed. Right. No. <laughs> but with me as a dad and 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 a Chinese mom, and you go through this every Chinese New Year. If he if they don't if him and Joy don't become uh, inveterate gamblers, we did something wrong. The uh, I've told the story before, but it bears repeating at this point because I was at the uh, I've told it often, but at the we're at the I was at Mandalay Bay and I I was there with my friends and. You know, I, I, when I want to gamble and I need to win, I don't want, uh, it's not fun, and I don't want anybody like, ha, joking around about the money I'm losing, right? So I. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on yeah, that. Yeah, I know That's you right. are too. So, yeah. like, I'm like, now I'm in a zone, uh, not a good zone, it's not a healthy zone, but I got to get a. Um, so I was by myself. Uh, I don't know if they were in the hotel or if I'd like literally gone to another casino. But I'm sitting at a table by myself. It's a $25 table, and this is an era when a $25, $25 bet was a, was a big bet. I mean, it still feels like a pretty big bet, but it's, mm-hmm. it was a huge, you know, I, I, we were always looking for the $5 and $10 table. $25 table. I have $25 on my hand, and there's one guy next to me, a Chinese guy, and he's got a Chinese guy behind him. You remember the story. Mm-hmm. Guy, um, and the, and uh, he's playing two hands, and he's got, I don't know, I think $500 in my memory. Big numbers on him, maybe $1,000 maybe mm-hmm. $1, a hand. I get a nine and an eight. I got 17 against a nine. Whatever. I've lost that hand 10 billion times. I know how this ends, right? I'm, mm-hmm. And he has uh, like a three and an eight and a four and a nine, right? Mm-hmm. And he gets the, he's got the three and an eight. That's eight. He hits it, and he gets like a five. Mm-hmm. He stays against the nine. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this freaking guy, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other one, he's got a 13, right? And he, he, uh, he gets a six. Mm-hmm. He's got 19, three cards on each, and then he wants to hit the 19. But he doesn't. He, sorry, he speaks no English. He's mm-hmm. pointing down, mm-hmm. making noises. Right, mm-hmm. guy right behind him. Dealer says, "You don't want to hit 19. Nobody, nobody hits 19. It's crazy. Right, it's crazy." Uh, he says, "No." And then the dealer says, "No, you want to hit this one, the one that has 13." Even though, mind you, he's already held on that hand and taken a card of the next hand. You can't go back and hit the other hand, right? right. That's yeah. elementary. But the dealer's so befuddled that he offers him that possibility. Like I goes, no, mm, mm, right? And then yeah. he calls the pit boss over. Yeah. And the pit boss comes over, looks at it, and says the exact same thing. Right. No, 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 you want to hit this one. And I'm like, he can't hit that one. That hand's over, right? right? right. He's, playing, he's playing this hand. And then his friend leans in, and forgive the accent, but it, he leans in, and his friend go, his friend says, he big risk taker. Okay, right, okay, right? well, yeah. Well, right. This is insanity. This is insanity, yeah. right? And I'm like, so I'm just sitting there watching, I'm thinking, yes, he, indeed, he is a big risk taker. Well, you can't take that away yeah. from him. And he gets a 10. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
He got a 29. You don't see a lot of 29s at Blackjack. I've never seen a 29. I've never, I've never seen one 29 in my life. That was it. Yeah. I was, I think, defeated in 1917. I know I lost, and I, yeah. I left. That was the end of my experience with them, with the big risk taker. That's but I love his friend awesome. coming in to explain what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that's helpful because uh, because people are like, "What's he doing?" And he's like, "No, no, no. He means it." Yeah, he no. So it. I, the pit boss was there. The deal. They were both. They were totally flummoxed and willing to willing to change the rules of blackjack to accommodate this guy. It, you know what? Uh, from now on, when I do something nonsensical, I'm just going to lean in myself and go. I'm a big risk taker. <laughs> but risk -taker. Just, say it with, a, with an Asian accent mm. as Ben would have done it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so apologies yeah. for the accent, but I didn't mean it pejoratively. So I, yeah. have, I have a new rule for myself for mm. gambling, and I've been pretty good about following it. I'm famous for making up rules for myself that I immediately break. But this one's been pretty good. So my rule is this. Um, You're the Bill Belichick of breaking self rules. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so I only play blackjack uh, <clears throat> at the casinos, mm -hmm. and if you play long enough, you're gonna just lose, right? So I have a one shoe rule. So I play one shoe, whatever I win or lose, I'm done, mm -hmm. I leave. And the reason why I've been abiding by this rule is mainly because I can't stand- Like one shoe for that day or like at a time? Like No, I mean, on, on that trip. On that trip, so you play yeah. one shoe of blackjack, that's it? If I can last the whole shoe, if I get knocked out, I can go and try again. But um, I got you. But you're gonna play. You're you're, you're gonna play for seems, yeah. But you're gonna play for 13 minutes. That's it. Right. right max. Right. And the reason why I've been seems a little wiggle room with if I get knocked out, I buy back. No, in, no, it's not. A, no, 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 he's just really. saying it's not a money limit. Yeah, it's a, it's a time. It's, limit. it's a time limit. Yeah. I yeah. got you. Yeah. All right. Okay, so, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but the reason why I can do this is because I can't take the smoke. Mm. Like I'm happy to get the hell out of there because the, the cigarette smoke. I become in, like more intolerant to cigarette smoke as I got older. Because I'm not around it as much. When I was younger, more people smoked around me, so I was more used to it, I guess. But now nobody smokes around me, so when I smell it, I can't take yeah, it. Yeah, I don't like it. I yeah. don't like it either. I, I don't like blackjack because I, I, I'm not good at it in the sense that I'm not, you know, there's no skill in it. You do, you play a certain way. Yeah, just, but there's money management, and I'm not good at that part of it. And I will get up $500 and leave. But if things go wrong and I lose $500, I'll spend $3,000 chasing the $500. Right. So what... How what endeavor makes sense if your if your upside is five hundred dollars and your downside is down three thousand dollars? Well, then that's why the one shoe rule. You right. can't go down. No, no, too it's much. a good rule. Yeah. It's a good rule. I, I I would like just. I think I'm probably. It would be okay with me if I never played, but that's not bad. Like, okay, yeah. I'll get a little thing. I'll yeah. wet my beak, as they right. say. and Because and it feels weird to not gamble at all when I'm right. in Vegas. So yeah, what are you, a weirdo? Bit. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, I bet mostly, though, I just bet on sports. Yeah. No, I okay. So last thing before politics is back to jackets, because I almost said this point on the post game too, because we were somehow talking about jackets in the post game as well. Oh, because they were asked what kind of person has a velvet jacket, and I do. Um, I have one too. Yeah, so, but there was a, a guy that I went to go play poker with, combined it with the gambling story, uh, when I was in law school, and he had like a, a, a tan jacket, and underneath it, a tan sweater. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, but like it kind of almost like a small V-neck, not a full V-neck, but a small V-neck and with a little chest hair poking out. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the guy and thought, Saudi, <laughs> okay? And because he looks uh, unnaturally rich uh, and all, like the V-neck sweater with nothing underneath and a tan jacket uh, on top of it, that's a Saudi look, okay? <laughs> and it turns out, Saudi. Okay, uh, and then I thought, I'm like, I'm in the wrong place because I'm dirt poor, right? Mm. We're gonna about to play poker. And they're like, nah. And there oh, was a nice apartment in New York. I got invited, and I'm like, man, I'm in the wrong house, right? And they're like, nah, let's just play with little uh, macaronis and no, no money. I was like, now I'm in the wrong house in the opposite direction. Right, right, <laughs> like, yeah. This has become totally uninteresting. No, I mean, I, right? I'm, I'm all in. Oh, is this for pride? <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyways. Uh, so I bought this jacket at Carol and Company, which is now out of business. I bought it uh, like two weeks ago. And Carol and Company has been a- they, They're having the same money management issues you do? 70 years, 70 years in Beverly Hills. They moved locations, but they were, uh, my dad, I didn't know this when I went there, but I, I'd been in many times. I have lunch on Fridays nearby and I, I go by for some Fridays and I go and I, and I always drop in. But everything is like, this jacket was $1,500 and the other one I like is $1,300. I mean, it's, 
That's expensive. It's right. Come on. Um, I would never buy a jacket like this, too. It's like patterned or whatever. It's just, I wouldn't, but mm -hmm. I, I, even though I get, I, I like it, but I would never buy it. And then they're going out of business. I read they're going out of business. I go across the street, and this jacket was like 400, and the other one was 300. And I was like, okay. You can't here. afford to not buy it. Right now, I can't afford, I afford to not buy it. And then I tell my brother, like, hey, man, I'm becoming you. I like had to buy these things. I got this one jacket that I would never, you know, and I'm telling him about it because he's a, he's a sartorially inclined. And, uh, and he says, well, Carol and Company, he goes, that's where I bought my first tie. Like, your, our father took him in, and he bought his first tie at Carol and Company. And then my dad used to shop there, and a guy took care of him, which is weird, because my dad was a slob, right? But I guess there was a time when he tried to look better. And everybody in the 70s, that was not a great time to look good. And uh, <laughs> if you wanted to dress in a suit and tie. Yeah. And then he said that when George McGovern ran for president, my dad ran his campaign that uh, with Gary Hart, that... You know, McGovern was from South Dakota and sort of looked like he was from South, dressed like he was from South Dakota, but he was about to run this national campaign. So my dad took George McGovern to Carroll and Company and was like, come on, Spiff him up. take care of this guy, make him look cosmopolitan, and and, uh, and it worked. And George McGovern became president. <laughs> um, uh, At least he got the nomination. But I, it was just nice to sort of learn that there was this sort of rich family history with a store that I had no idea about. But I'm glad I got in there, and I'm glad I got a couple of jackets from there. That's great. Uh, well, actually, your brother and I are connected in uh, uh, clothing and Roger Stone, as you know. Right, so, right, 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 right. Because right. Roger uh, Stone, I think it was last year, uh, put both me and Josh on his best dress, worst dress list. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're gonna be shocked to find out I was on the worst dress list. Yeah. Roger Stone had a list. Roger Stone, well, you know, he's very, he's very spiffy. I mean, yes. he's, he's almost a joke the way he dresses. He looks like right. a clown, but he, uh, but he loves clothes. And my brother, on air, it's less so now. But my brother was always extremely well dressed. He just doesn't have to anymore because fashions have changed. But he, uh, um, so, and I, I thought you're connected by Roger Stone because my brother and Roger Stone were friends. And I can curse on this show, right? Yes. And Roger Stone told you a bunch of times to go f yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we're also connected in that way. Yeah. By the way, to be fair to Josh Mankiewicz, he is no longer friends right. with no, Roger Stone. Much. Yeah, like okay. Roger was this sort of political operative in New York and a, a dirty trickster, but a, full of stories. I suspect, I, I don't know this in any way. He might be kind of a funny guy to hang out with. Right? I think definitely yeah. a funny guy to hang out with and full of crazy stories about Nixon and about politics and right. you know if you even watch Get Me Roger Stone if you take away what we know about Roger Stone now and you remove the lunacy of Alex Jones and the likely criminal behavior um, you know uh, that movie like you're like this guy I mean he took down Elliot Spitzer right I mean he's good at his job right um, his job is evil but he is a He's a character. Is, he's I mean, a character. Yeah. That's right. That's the, that's the safest way to yeah, put it. Sure. Um, so I could see being friends with him, but now, of course, he's just some horrible uh, monster. Yeah. So, who's so, bad? By the way, I just want to say, in case he ever hears this, who disgraces the United States of America, brings shame to us all by being from the same country. Go on. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, as I was saying, I was on his worst dress list <laughs> the same year that uh, Josh, Ben's brother, uh, who's on Dateline, obviously. Uh, it was on his best dress list, so that's what we share in common. But on Roger Stone, look, I love characters. And so if you're a wild right-wing character, like, you know what? Benny Johnson was in the news today. So he got hired by Talking Points USA. That's Charlie Kirk and Kenneth Owens group, can't stand it. Benny Johnson has been fired from several different places, including conservative outlets for plagiarizing. Yeah. Uh, so he's but, like, but wait. Let me try it one more time. But he, but he, okay. but Benny Johnson is a character. Like in person, yes. it's very hard to dislike Benny Johnson. That's right. That's where I was going with it. Yeah. Benny's a fun guy. I know him a little bit. We moderated a debate together once. Very hard to dislike him. Okay? Yeah, I did a thing with him at the convention there. He's funny. And I followed mm -hmm. him on Twitter. And then following him on Twitter, you're like, oh, he, Boom. <laughs> yeah. So what's, I didn't know this. Apparently, Charlie Kirk had plagiarized Betty Johnson on Twitter, and he just hired him. Is that right? Yes. Charlie Kirk plays. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's a this crazy world. But so that, but Benny, it, you know, you disagree with him. He has crazy ideas, etc. But he never hurt anybody, as far as I know, right? Personally, not like, Rod, not like Roger. But Roger Stone, there is that's. Not a character I'm interested in. There are some people that are core evil, and you don't want to get anywhere near them, man. It's toxic. Like, you get that, like, if you're in the same room, they're going to find a way to screw you. 
It's like you just don't want to be in that room. It's like almost like the the witch from Last Kingdom in the in, in the last season. Skade. Skade, right? Just don't don't talk to her. Wait, hold on. You're in season three now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my guilty pleasure. So that's what I was gonna. That's another topic I was gonna. Yeah. Apparently, we're never gonna get to politics. Uh, okay, so Anna's celebrating now, but yeah, yeah like don't. <coughs> there's a couple of guys, and there's another alt right guy whose name I don't want to mention. Don't ever be in the same room as that guy because. Like you, because you're gonna make the mistake of letting up at some point and thinking, oh, we're having a good time. He told a crazy story. I'll tell a 10% of that story. No, he'll use it against you later, yeah. right? And he will do things that you cannot believe he that he did, right? Don't go anywhere near those guys. So uh, anyway, so my guilty pleasure is now like I'm starting to get tired, which never, you know me, I that never happens to me. But now, like on the 14th hour of a day, I'll be like, I'm out of gas. I'm done. I'm just pulling up, right? I got three more emails to do. I gotta look at a budget. I've got to have that budget done by the morning, but I'm done. So I'll go and watch Last Kingdom. Yesterday I watched an episode and a third, which to a normal person is like, what? But to me, I'm like, oh my God, how luxurious was that? <laughs> did you, so wait, did you, are, you not fall asleep? Are the, you familiar with the show? Only because he bores me with it. But uh, <laughs> um, it's called The Last Kingdom, is it? It's called The Last Kingdom. Yeah. And I was the. Oh, you got I him was into patient it? zero no. in infecting my entire <laughs> friend group oh. with The Last Kingdom. It's probably very good. I'll, I'll watch it. I freaking yeah. love it. Yeah. 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 So, no, and What's it's, it on? It's on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. But it's not a Netflix show or is it a Netflix well, show? Yes and no. So the first season was done by the BBC. Okay. And then season two and three was done by Netflix. I could see the difference in production quality. It's amazing because yeah, it, just, it got more, they spent more money. So much better. Yeah. Uh, like better all around writing, acting, just the cinematography, all of it's like noticeably better. And the funny but season thing is, one was fun. It was, to, yes, yeah, totally good. I got you. I got you. Um, I didn't even know that that was a history. I was like, wow, why do they suck in season one <laughs> right. in terms of production quality? But Improved so much, and I found out that's why. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no. Last night, uh, so that's I had a third of an episode left. I watched that, and that's when I should have gone to bed, and it was kind of late, and because I had done the State of the Union here last night, and then I had to do a bunch of you guys. Anyway, and I was like, I'm gonna watch another episode. I almost looked around like, is anybody seeing me? Is anybody <laughs> seeing me? I'm gonna watch another episode. All right, and so it felt so good. Now, now that we've opened this can of worms, let's just get into it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I watched the show The Last Kingdom. It's about the history of England um, in like the late 700s, 800s, uh, into eight, in the 800s when um, the Danes came over and just basically wreaked havoc. I mean, they just really the, the English. The Danes? Yeah. They no, just, no, that's, what, yeah. that's why it's fun in the beginning. Yeah. The when Vikings. everybody's like, the Danes are coming. You're like, and? <laughs> right? like, are they bringing biscuits? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> right. That's great. Are they bringing Danishes? Yeah. Right. But of uh, course, they're Vikings. So, no, right, yeah, they're right. just marauders. And think about it like, these are the, the people who made it over to England to rape and pillage. They were the ones that are the biggest risk takers who were <laughs> like yeah, yes. your friend. They're the biggest. Yeah, right. They were hit on a 19, these people. <laughs> for sure. Okay. Right. And they drew some twos. Yeah. That's right. And, and they, they sailed the open seas. And the weak ones died, and the ones who got there were, were so ready to murder and rape and just take whatever they can. So these poor English peasants had no chance. They're just getting slaughtered. But the problem with the Vikings is that you know it's one thing to take a town, but it's hard to keep it. You know, and the English had numbers. And it's a story about you know the, the king of uh, of England who kind of rallied the English against the Danes. And I don't know anything about the English history at the time. Of course, I'm sure the show isn't perfectly accurate. I took, I took a year of English yeah. history, and I, I, don't, I don't. And it's called the Last Kingdom because there's like there were actually four kingdoms. There's East Anglia, Northumbria, and and Mercy. Mercia, and then they're all falling to the Danes. And Wessex is the Last Kingdom. Where, yeah. where, and it's a great story. And they're just uh, and then here's what we did. So I got everyone to watch it. They're all watching it right before our big annual guys trip. And the the me and this one other guy were the two main guys like loving the show and pushing it. We're making all these references to the show, and you know, we're with this big text chain, and everything is you know lines from the, from the show. We're, we're acting so goofy and stupid, and, and then really in what way? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the funny thing is, we assign 
characters for each of us. So oh, oh, I got to be oh. I got to be the main character, Uthrin, oh, who's a warrior. Hey, that's great. It's great. Right? Yeah. It gets worse. Okay. Doubt so yeah. so then, this is obviously not a real thing, right? Really? But, but some guys who are assigned a character that's not that cool, mm. we're so bummed out. They're like, oh, I don't want to be so and so. So and so is not that cool, right? Mm. And then <laughs> during dinner, I said, you know what? I'm gonna upgrade you to this other character. He's like, yes, and they're totally happy. And then Jenk, who's so busy with so much stuff, felt this significant pressure to watch at least some of the show before the trip started because he didn't want to miss out on all the jokes. Right. So he did. He watched a bunch of episodes before, the, got before the trip. I, I watched, uh, I calculated, I'd it watched. Does, I mean, when your friends are all role-playing and you can't role-play, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. a bummer. Yeah. 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 Well, I didn't know yeah. which furry I was supposed to get dressed <laughs> up as. So, you know, yeah. I had to find out. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, Ben, I, it turned out I was Ragnar the Fearless. Ah, it's a good name. <laughs> no, no, he wasn't. We get the, the worst, a worst character possible, and then he just insisted that he'd be Ragnar the Fearless. Yes, um, I, because I love that he goes down swinging. He, he, he kills- <laughs> he, he, he gets killed off immediately. He does, but he, he kills three dudes while on fire. Well, that's pretty good. I, I, I like the idea of then being Ragnar the Fearless because he goes down early so you can just stop the role playing. Like, <laughs> All right, great, I'm Ragnar the Fearless. Ah, I died. I'm gonna order something else to eat. And, By know, the way, uh, Ragnar the Fearless. Please remove me from this text. <laughs> I'm dead, yeah. Ragnar the Fearless. Risk taker. <laughs> he was fearless. He's a big risk taker. Yeah. <laughs> well, and got himself lit yeah. on fire. That's right. Yeah. Got a twenty nine. Right. <laughs> he went out with a twenty nine. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, uh, look, YouTube guys. Uh, normally, we do politics on the Young Turks. This is old school. This is obviously where we shoot the shit a little bit more and have some fun. But we are gonna do some politics. The podcast guys are hanging in here. The members are obviously, I get to watch the whole show. The whole thing is 90 minutes. Uh, come watch it with us if you're a member, tyt.com slash join. But if you know, if you want a free trial for a week, you go to tyt.com slash trial. And then uh, just listen, to old, watch this old school one if you like it, watch the whole thing. And talk a little bit about Elizabeth Warren and my favorite, Amy Klobuchar. Uh, Klobuchar? Uh, and um, Klobuchar the fearless. <laughs> well, apparently, because you she might already be out. <laughs> uh, That's the, partly uh, what we're going to talk about. Uh, the, but the interesting thing, just about for, real quick for those for the YouTube audience, is that this was what, what we thought the show was going to be. Yeah, when, the young church originally. It, when yeah. Jack and I started it in 2002, it was going to be this kind of conversation, like a little politics, and then this. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's called old school because that's what we used to do back in the day. Which is now our 17th anniversary is coming up uh, next week. Is that right? Isn't that amazing? We started this 17 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah and slightly depressing. Okay, all right, YouTube, bye bye. Um, so, um, so we started this show 17 years ago. I was 34 years old. You know those pictures of you guys are. Just insane. You're what? You're three years younger. You're 48. Yeah. Now? So yep. you were you were 30. Yeah, you you were 31. Like, I was 34. Like, like a boy in those pictures. Yeah. Well, we felt yeah. like boys. Like our whole life was ahead of us. Yeah. Right. It is not now. It's just it's not ahead of us. It's, it's yeah. just darkness. It's all down. No. Now you're just trying to fill in until you get to quit. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you're viewing life. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm just trying to get to 2020. Uh, and, and maybe I'm totally wrong about this, but I just feel like, I, and certainly I'm all in. Right. I. 2020 is everything. And and I could be wrong, but if we, you know, what does that mean 2020 is everything? That that if a Republican wins, which seems inconceivable, but I mean, look, it's it's definitely conceivable. Yeah. Yeah. It's conceivable, I mean, but it's less likely. But if a Republican wins, I mean, when do we ever recover, right? And 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 I mean, if it's Trump, I'm then legitimately worried about fascism. Legitimately worried about it. Okay, given give Trump eight years, and you know the kind of damage he could do our do our democracy, let alone the country overall, let alone the world. So that's point one. That's why that's you know an enormously significant election and, and landmark. Uh, but uh, also, if an establishment Democrat wins, and we go back to nickel and diming, and then wages are still stagnant, and people still getting crushed. And then God knows what happens, man. How long, uh, you know, how what, how I will think the that country sets react us up for another Trump? That says, uh, yeah, what that sets up us up for in 2024, I don't even want to think about. It. But look, if it's 
a normal establishment Democrat, they're going to shut so down all about, progress. Here's the thing about Trump that I'm grateful for is that he's not, he's not smart. He's not very strategic. But imagine if, if Trump is doing all the racist, xenophobic stuff. But on top of that, let's say he just put a couple of bankers in jail. Oh, and, he'd be so popular. Yeah, and he's like, see, I care about the people. Uh, and then he keeps otherizing some of the marginalized people. Man, he would be so popular. No, basically what you're saying is imagine if he was Trump, but smart. Yeah. And, and so you know what that gives you? It gives you kind of Putin, right? So guys who are smart. Uh, strong men. Strong men who do uh, slow but like irresistible takeovers. And then until the country's in a vice grip and there's no way you can get out of it because he has centralized all the power and he's, you know, they, what they do is they go after the court system, uh, they uh, uh, reward all of their friends and allies with giant contracts, especially con construction contracts, also happened in Turkey. By the way, I mean, I wasn't thinking of it in this context, but today there was a story of uh, Tom Barrick, uh, who is Trump's uh, buddy. Yeah, he who spoke was, at the convention. Right, and he was- He the, seemed like the most normal of Trump's you know why? Because he's looking to get paid. He's a smart guy, and he was the head of Trump's inaugural committee. And yeah, he was. We found out today. I don't think it's necessarily illegal, and I partly even defended him on it. But he was looking to get a trillion and a half infrastructure bill assigned to his company, mm -hmm. right? So that he could be. Do you know how much money he would make? Right. Right. And so. That's what they do, and then all of your allies have all the money, and the uh, people who are not your allies, they uh, lose all the government contracts, and eventually all the contracts, they lose power because they lose money, and then eventually you put a couple of them in prison, mm -hmm. and then everybody else is intimidated, and the vice gets tighter and tighter and tighter until there's nothing you could do about it. But Trump, luckily, is not anywhere near that yeah, smart. He's not that disciplined, he's not that smart. He won't do that, but we have to be very careful that we don't get another Trump who is that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, he's nominated uh, 85 judges uh, uh, confirmed and another 83 nominated and then uh, and then a bunch more vacancies that he hasn't nominated like you know so that's that's uh, you know like he's at 170 basically judges he's put on the court so far in two years. You know? Yeah, breaking all records yeah. on taking over the court system, that's right? right? Yeah. And those guys are there forever. Yeah. And, and, and look, even some of them will surprise us, but most of them will not. Yeah, but they're not. You know, they're, it's not like Russia and Turkey and some other countries where, the, in Venezuela, in the left-wing strongman version of it, uh, where they're strictly loyal to the leader. Right. Really, what happened in this country? I'm getting get a little deep here, but is a corporate takeover. The corporations did what I just described. They took over the court system. Now. I don't know that they put anybody in prison, but if you were with the Chamber of Commerce and you were with the people who were had political connections, you got more and more contracts. If you got help you if you're on the wrong side of that, even on Wall Street, like people don't know this, but I'll just keep it loose and rough on this, is that the big banks are totally protected. I mean, Eric Holder, this part everybody, not everybody knows, but a lot of people know. If you've been following the news, you know. Eric Holder literally said in front of Congress that the bankers were too big to jail. And so that means you got to, you know, get out of jail free card, just like the oligarchs in, in Russia do. But the part that people don't know is then they went and did the appearance of cleaning up some of Wall Street. Uh, and they arrested, like they went after for insider trading a whole bunch of people or other so-called crimes that did not give political donations. So now was that like, hey, they got a memo, the cor Mr. Corporation, Mr. Monopoly's taking over, go arrest all the guys who are not? No, it's just the invisible hand of the market. They had no protection, and and they they had to have the appearance of toughness. So they went after guys on Wall Street who had no juice. And and look, Facebook, the only reason that he was dragged in front of Congress and uh, and flogged uh, Zuckerberg, not that anything actually happened to him, is because they actually don't give a lot of political donations. And so they got no juice, they got no leverage in Washington. Uh, but it, if you're a corporation that gives a lot, you're gonna get everything. I mean, look at what uh, Big Pharma did. We cannot negotiate with them. I mean, that's insanity to find that the government that has all the leverage in the world because they, we buy so much drugs for Medicare and Medicaid, 
are not legally allowed to negotiate. We just have to accept whatever drug prices they give us. <laughs> I mean, that is. Hasn't Trump lowered drug prices by a record amount never before seen? <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I, I mean, that, that is yeah. your, if, if you needed proof that we've lost the government and that corruption is won and that corporations are the new oligarchs, then that's it. I mean, that's exhibit A. I'm reminded. <coughs> Excuse me, of the, I've quoted, last time I quoted this on a show was on Old School, but uh, Corey Vidal, I think, talking to David Susskind, I think, in like 1982. Susskind asked him if he was a subscriber to the conspiracy theorist view of history. You know, I don't know entirely what that meant in the context that he asked him the question, but, um, but he said that, uh, I say that those at the top don't, ha he said no. Corey Vidal says no. I say that those at the top don't have to conspire because they all think alike. The president of General Motors and the president of Chase Manhattan Bank really are not going to disagree much on anything, nor would the editor of the New York Times disagree with them. They all tend to think quite alike, otherwise they would not be in those jobs. That's, that last part is yeah. the one that gets me and is the truest thing of all. Otherwise, they would not be in those they, jobs, yeah. right? And we were talking about that in the post game in regards to a lot of the cable news anchors. Okay, anyways, so let's lighten up by talking about Klobuchar. <laughs> so did she announce today? I didn't. So I was, no, she's going to announce on Sunday. Uh, she's a big announcement coming up on Sunday. Could be that she's not running. And I'm yeah. not happy with all these announcements. We got to have party unity and just have one candidate. That's right. And and I I wish they would just clarify if you know if near Tandon at Center for American Progress would just tell us who the candidate is, we could be done with all this nonsense. Um, but actually, even when she's going after Medicare for all, which they do not want. Uh, first of all, they called their program at Center for American Progress Medicare Extra for All. Mm, that means we won the ideological battle because you're trying to call your th uh, program Medicare for All when it ain't, right? So who are you talking about right now? Center for American, Center for American Progress, right? And then, uh, and then, secondly, she didn't go after that hard. She said, with respect for the people who believe in Medicare for All. I was like, I had no respect for Bernie Sanders. Oh, Kamala Harris and all these. Folks who could be the candidate who are more establishment, since they're technically for Medicare for all, New York Times is like, with respect, with respect, I'm just saying, right? I don't want to offend you or anything. Um, so, anyways, uh, Klobuchar is probably going to, uh, almost certainly going to announce on Sunday, but today, having uh, the Post broke a, broke a story about how she's incredibly mean to her staff. Yes, yeah, she, she may have trouble finding someone to run the campaign, is the story, because she's so. Uh Hard to deal with, and so is she shrill? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that was my. Right. So look, I'm not a fan of Klobuchar in terms of policy. I'm, uh, and I often, I don't. I'm not making fun of her. I'm making fun of the TV pundits who think she has a chance of winning. Uh, but I, I do often joke about Klobuchar, right? Um, because no one knows her. Even in the Huffington Post story, they're like, she's now well, you know, she's uh, well known because of her uh, grilling of Trump's candidates. Or nominees, like that's not true. Uh, and she grilled Kavanaugh. That's the only time anybody ever saw her. Uh, and some people might remember that, but they'd have to be real political junkies. And but that proves my point. I've been saying for years now, nobody knows Klobuchar. If her main claim to fame just happened a couple of months ago, well, that means nobody okay. knew Klobuchar. Is she the senator from South Dakota? No, Minnesota. No, Minnesota. See, I don't even know. <laughs> See, even you don't know. She yeah. had the nice moment with yeah. uh, Kavanaugh. Where uh, where he got mad at her, like he's he was like, like, have oh. you, like, yeah. have you ever blacked out? You know, and she was and she was super cool. She was like, well, I'm, I'm what I'm trying to understand from you. You know, she was, but she kept out. I mean, she was very good. There's no question, she was good yeah. in that moment. It's totally fun. Yeah. That, like yeah. so, it wasn't spe in my opinion, it wasn't yeah, spectacular, I, I but it was good. God I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about her, obviously, right? right? But the criticism that she's not nice, I, I I just take out the giant grain of salt. Like, what does that even mean? That's Look, exactly right? what I was going to get bullshit. to. Right? Yeah, like I don't care if she's not nice to her staff, and and who's I mean, what does that even mean? And and I and I mockingly said, why is she shrill? Because sometimes these criticisms are not fair, and I want to I want to know about her policies and what she stands for, not how she interacts with her staff. So that's interesting. So yeah. I'm not on the same side as her within the Democratic Party. So I'm unbiased in partly defending her here. Right, but I actually do want to have a conversation whether that is relevant because I think it's a little tougher than that. My initial reaction was very similar to yours, mm -hmm. Steve. I read the piece, and and I'm still on that side in in defending her, but it's a little bit more mixed, right? So we're, 
Like in the old days, this would have been hilarious. What this is a story? This is controversial that you're like really tough on your staff. Imagine if they wrote the story about Lyndon Johnson, right? Like, oh, Lyndon Johnson's tough on his staff. Yeah, no sure. Like he's Lyndon Johnson. Well, I think I mean I think the let's just the specifics matter. Whether again, I have no opinion on it. I learned of this story. Four minutes ago, but I've now read it. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So, again, you can be tough on your staff, or do you belittle your staff? Right? Mm -hmm. Tough on the staff, and maybe there's a lot of turnover, demands a lot of hours, uh, you know, and, and insists on excellence, and people burn out. Well, I got that. That doesn't bother me. I almost like it. Right? Yeah. Um, but according to the Huffington Post, it's common for staff to wake up to multiple emails from Klobuchar characterizing one's work as, quote, the worst, the worst briefing or press relief she'd seen in her decades of public service, according to two former aides and emails seen by the Huffington Post. Adding to the humiliation, Klobuchar often CC'd large groups of staffers who weren't working on the topic at hand, giving the emails the effect of a public flogging. So it's like if you were disappointed in something that Steve did, you sent an email to everyone. You know, like yeah. that happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so look, that's definitely a dick move. Yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, and I like one staffer later said, "How could this be the worst uh, work she's ever seen?" When I'm pretty sure I did that two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> she calls everything the worst. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, the public flogging—it's it, uncalled for, and it's not my style. Highest rate of staff turnover in the Senate in over a decade. Yeah. yeah. So they had another story. This is totally irrelevant. She wrote tardy notes uh, to all the staffers who were late one day. Oh, I would, I would, I would not stay long at Amy Klobuchar's office. <laughs> <laughs> not so much because I was tardy. Like I, I mean, the first tardy note I got, I'd be uh, like, "Oh, okay, I, I got you. I got you. I'm gonna go make some calls because I'm gonna need to work somewhere else." Yeah, <laughs> I don't take a tardy note. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then some people thought, "Well, maybe it's a joke," and they were uh, laughing. And she called one of them into our office. Apparently she left crying. So those are the stories. You know how true they are. Who knows, right? All right, this is fair enough. These are good details. To have. Yeah. Okay, but you know other staffers say no, she's demanding, but that's because she herself works super hard and she demands that other people work hard. And look, they're serving the people of Minnesota, and you presumably you want the staffers to work hard. She's very popular in Minnesota. Enormously yeah. popular. She uh, she's dubbed herself the senator next door. Okay, like, but that's kind of like likable. Uh, does, this, does your yeah. next door neighbor Look, leave ultimately, you party notes? Yeah. <laughs> ultimately, I don't care. Right. If yeah. she is representing me well, yeah, yeah. if she has good policies, I'm okay, I'm, I'm okay with it. If she's mean to her staff, well, that's the staff's problem. If she can't hold her staff together because they keep quitting on her, that's her problem, not my problem. My problem is whether or not she represents me well. Right? Yeah, yeah I, I think I think it's a combination. I really do. I, it's not it's not just policies because you can learn something about that. That information tells you about what kind of leader they're being and what kind of policies are you going to get. I mean, no, there has seldom been a leader in this country who's gotten every policy they wanted. And you know, this is a job about leadership, about working with others. Now, not not in the nonsensical bipartisan way that people cling to here, as if it's still 1978. But even if you just got to move your own party, your own people, you have to at least be able to do that, and you have to be able to lead effectively and guide the way. And the the president's a bully I pulpit. I think if she sends a note, if she sent a note to Mitch McConnell saying this is the worst <laughs> bill I've ever seen in my entire life. I think he will change his mind. Maybe you're yeah. right. Maybe you're right. Yeah. Well, obviously, it's not an effective management because she has the highest turnover in in all of Congress, right? So, yeah, you know, that's got to hurt productivity because you just have no consistency, etc. So Trump's she's had a lot of turnover, and he's been very effective. <laughs> in fact, the most effective president we've ever had. Um, so, and that State of the Union was the. Best one that had ever been delivered. Jerry no, Falwell said I, that. I, Jerry Falwell Jr. and then some some congressmen said the best State of the Union. Yeah, ever. well, you know, I love said his that. bragging. His bragging is so over the top and so hilarious. I, I, it's hard to believe that, that he's doing it for real. Like he must be like laughing on the inside. I mean, no. like no, no, he no, definitely no, means not, it. Yeah. And what, no, but that's what's that's less yeah. amazing than his followers listening to it and not bursting out laughing. Yeah, right. Like they're like. He, you know, who first called his speech the most important speech in American history? He did. Yeah. They put out a statement. Sarah Huckabee Sanders put out a statement before the State of the Union saying this is going to be the most historic State of the Union speech ever given. I mean, like, of course. I yeah. mean, 
Like, how do you not laugh at that? What, what's wrong with so, you that you don't laugh at that? Can I just say that the worst part about the State of the Union yesterday was a nonstop clapping. After every sentence, he would pause and, and there'd be like raucous clapping. And then the standing ovations, then the chance of USA. And yeah, I, I know Democrats do it too. I can't stand that. I don't know that Democrats spend a lot of time chanting USA. Right. No, not that part. But, but <laughs> Although, the, the ironically, clapping. they did in this one. Yeah. But the clapping part yeah. was driving me crazy. Like, yeah. please, can we just have a normal speech? But, he, but even. He, like, yeah. this fawning is awful. No, I, I mean, know that. It, and the fawning is bad. That is legitimate. That, of course, happens on both sides. On, on both sides. But I can't take it. But at least Barack Obama's speeches were about. In the State of the Union, we're about reaching for greatness. I mean, and that's the kind of thing at least you applaud. It's about you know, and then we can have endless arguments. Probably we don't even have it. Probably won't even be an argument here about an inability to fulfill those aspirations. But these were little things. They're little things. They were, and it, he was like, and today I had Mexican food for dinner. <laughs> it was delivered to my desk. And I ate it. <laughs> it was crazy. Like, like I, I just, I couldn't take it seriously. But like, we talked. To it me was just the worst, as you pointed out. The, I heard him the say constant it. clapping. Yeah, no, it was. A, but also, it's partly. I, I think what got you. I'm. Well, I, I won't put words in your mouth. But I mean, for me, the clapping again for the follower, not to see his buffoonery. I mean, I keep being stunned, and I know that I shouldn't be stunned. But one day, there are going to be. Six, maybe one, or maybe six, renegade, they'll be called, Republican rebels who will say, enough with this clown, right? We know they exist because there's plenty of them outside of elected office in Washington, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's George Will and there's Evan McMullen and there's a litany of people who have been our right-wingers who have criticized Trump, right? There are none elected in Washington who have stood up to him in a meaningful way. Uh, it's, I keep thinking, like he'll say something horrible and awful, and two of these guys will look at each other and be like, let's just do it today, right? And I don't know why it isn't some guy who's probably safe. The worst thing that'll happen to you is you lose. And I know, obviously, that's horrible. So you lose, and you'll become a millionaire. And But here's what might happen, especially if you're a senator and you're not up until 2024. He'll be gone by then. And he might be imprisoned or pardoned or massively disgraced at a bare minimum, right? And you guys are going to be heroes. Even at this late date, you will be feted as the members of the Republican establishment elected in Washington who said, I'm going to defeat this guy politically and I'm going to hurt him politically. And they won't do it. So it is gross to hear Trump be gross and see all these guys stand up and be like, ah! When we know, I, I think that's right, Ben. Like, like I mean, Trump is who he is, right? So I'm, I'm kind of maxed out in right. my disgust for him. But my disgust for the other ones who continue to aid and abet and stand there and applaud and treat him like he's some sort of magnif magnificent hero, like they disgust me more. I mean, like, just, like, like these people, they know what they're doing, and they're just so callous and, and, and I so guess, craven. I guess when, when, when Clinton was president and I didn't want him impeached because I didn't think it was impeachable. Right, and I still don't think the specific thing was impeachable. But you know, we were so fired up to make sure that that didn't happen. Like, hey, man, like if the argument, which many people have suggested to me, is that the reason they're doing this, obviously, they very much fear electoral defeat, but they also they love the judges, the conservative judges who will and who will you know roll back abortion rights and regulatory rules, right, in the name of freedom. Uh, and and they love the tax cuts, right? They love the bare sort of the Republican things yeah, he gives tax them. cuts and deregulation. But you know what? I didn't spend enough time saying was like, hey man, if Clinton goes, what do I care? Is I'll quote check. He's not my uncle. Al Gore will be president. It'll be fine, right? And for these guys, what do you think? Mike Pence is not going to support your tax cuts. He wants gays converted, and he hates. You know, he's he's with you. He's yeah. in fact he's with you much in a much more pure sense than Donald Trump is. What are you so afraid of? Stand up to him. It's not like Nancy Pelosi becomes president. They're, they're, in that case, they're actually afraid of their voters. Yes, the voters. Yeah, because 90% of the Republican voters still back Trump. I got it, but they're not going to vote for a Democrat. They'll ha it'll be tough. Some of, of course, the primary. No, they get primary. It's really hard to lose in a primary. I mean, that's why it was such a shock when AOC uh, 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 beat Crowley.
right? Mm -hmm. It's not easy. So yeah, they'll be primaried. Most of them will win their primaries. And again, okay, I got it. You might lose. Then you go be a lobbyist and you run again. Or no. you, or, or um, I, I know you're telling me what they think and you're clearly right, but I'm telling you, it's dumb and short-sighted. Yeah. Oh, they probably won't You're lose. totally right. You're absolutely right. That's a rational, smart play. But these people are so crazy. They're what I'm so saying. cowardly. I got you. All of them? Yes. <laughs> like, but that's crazy. But yeah. that's crazy. It's yeah. crazy that there aren't nine who at least act like Bob Corker and Jeff Flake, who were freed from it because they weren't running for re-election already. But at the end of the day, both of them voted with Trump every time. Of course, right. I mean, you know, Jeff Flake, in fact, ended up helping Brett Kavanaugh more than anybody else by yeah. insisting on that delay and that yep. sort of phony delay. That yeah. was the worst. You know, looking back on it. Um, I think that history will remember, right or wrong, you could say you're getting way too much credit for it. But history will remember John McCain right, uh, right. voting down uh, right. the health care proposal. And that, I mean, look, that made the difference. It, it made a huge difference. And so what I don't get is that uh, that's part of my argument is that, again, McCain, you know, he'd sort of done damage to his maverick reputation, right, over the preceding mm -hmm. decade, right? Yeah. And then in that single moment, you were like, ah, hey, John back. McCain, he got it back. Yeah. So, but look at that situation. You had to have brain cancer. Yeah, he was on his like deathbed. He, to be terminally yeah. ill yeah. to actually do something brave and positive. I got it. So two guys that you had to have terminal cancer or not be running for re-election. It just blows me away that given this guy's abhorrent behavior and and his obvious lack of preparation and lack of interest and lack of reading. You know that it wouldn't say that that who's the guy with the eye patch, right? Uh, the Crenshaw, that, that Congressman Crenshaw, yeah, right, like Dan Crenshaw, right? He's not an idiot, right? He's not, right? He uh, just got there, man. He's looking for a long career. He's not going to piss off the base. Uh, but, no way. Okay, fine. No Don't piss way. off the base, but but he already has hero a little baked in. Like, be a hero. Okay, you might not succeed Do there. You. Know how vicious you He'll, he'll succeed in whatever he does. And if he just is the guy who says, hey, man, I'm a conservative and I believe in lower taxes and I'm against abortion, I'm going to stop this guy. This guy's a maniac. No, these guys are waiting for Trump to fall and then they're like, oh, I never liked the guy. I got it. Terrible. I got it. That's I'm a just, safe play. I'm saying it's a missed opportunity that there's almost nothing that Dan Crenshaw as a war hero can do wrong. And he has political power. Long term, he might lose. He'll come back. He has a whole career ahead of him. I'll he tell should you do right it. now. And he's not dumb. I get the dumb guys. He's not dumb. I, he, here's what would happen to Crenshaw. Uh, the base would turn on him with great fury. Yep. And so somebody said something about his eye patch once on the left. I think there was a story for a Pete second. Pete Davidson on Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Pete then Davidson. they, they kind of came together. It wasn't anyone really on the left. It was a, uh, it was a comedian, right? And he was like the right wing was like, you monster. And they were all like aggrieved and victims, etc. And um, if he turns on Trump, do you know what they would say about his eye patch? Well, right? Do you have any idea how they would? I'm going to guess. Him? I understand. I'm going to guess Dan Crenshaw is 58 times tougher than any of the three of us and can handle it. And I, I, I'm. <laughs> Well, 57. 57. Uh, and, but and, what do you hit on a 19? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, he's not a big risk taker. I get it. I'm just, I, 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 my point is clear. At some point, I still think one of them will do it, and it should be somebody with either the political capital of their election being a long term away or that turning on him is hard to do. And Dan Crenshaw is, is it will be universally feted already as an American hero, as we do with all vets. He's not dumb. I saw him joke around with Pete Davidson. He was incredibly gracious with Pete Davidson after that. And Davidson was like, hey, man, I didn't know. It turns out I'm an idiot. And they made fun of each other, and it was good. And like he has he has a little political moxie, and he ought to use it. Yeah, he will. Okay. <laughs> would appear so, you're right. yeah. so anyway, I guess let's finish up Klobuchar. Guilty or not guilty? And I'm still leaning towards not guilty. I mean, the most important point is Steve's point, but I feel like well, that's only obvious in our circles. That, like, what do we care about any of this? What's our policies, right? That's that's our my, my overwhelming number one point. And I don't love her policies, but I don't want to be biased against her and then go like, ha ha. By the way, secondary point I'll make is that, look, I thought they wouldn't, you know, uh, I wasn't sure that they were going to do any critical articles on any of the establishment candidates. I thought they were just going to go after Sanders and Warren, etc. 
But this is a critical article that is even borderline whether it's should yeah, yeah, whether they should run it or she's not. Certainly, and, it and she's which, an establishment candidate, so they did. It's Huffington Post, which is more progressive. Huff, by the way, Huff Post, I don't know what's gotten into them. The last six months, maybe eight months, they've gotten much, much more progressive. They and have vocally progressive. Yeah, yeah. They see a lot more mainstream, even like a year ago. I, um, I yeah. think that they're seeing the clicks. Like I think that people are beginning to recognize. Yeah, that that's probably right. Like, hey, on TV, they can still pretend that the country is not center left. But I can't pretend because I'm not getting any views, yeah. right? I'm not getting any any readers. Oh, I do one on Bernie Sanders, the American hero, and oh, look at that! Everybody read it. I'm guessing. I don't know, you know. But that that might That's be a, a good guess. Or or maybe they got a great editor, who, you know, who's uh, That's more likely. Yeah. But but the uh, or you guys don't have a big enough sample size, and you you don't know what you're talking about. No, um, they're, they're turning. <laughs> no, left. they they have yeah. Uh, made a well, every look the, sharp the, left turn. Look, the country is so. I mean, you know, I mean that's yeah. That's uh, my I point. Mean, every yeah, candidate yeah. running for president sounds an awful lot like like Bernie Sanders in 2016. Kind of right. <laughs> Until you well, the way they want to try to sound like him. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah, it. But yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. I mean, his. Yeah. Um, so but, all right. Anyway, uh, let's adjudicate. Uh, it's t like I vote I not guilty. I, I, yeah, I, I. Bottom line is. I think I hate the way she treats her staff. I, that's not for me. That's not how I do, and I think it's counterproductive and it's ba it's bad. It's bad form. It's bad way to live, right? Now, having said all that, in terms of politics, no. Nah. I mean, Lyndon Johnson was terrible to his staff, is my guess. Uh, to be yeah, fair, I don't know that that was true. Yeah, I don't know that either. But like, but would you be surprised? No. Would you care? No. Right. Uh, because he passed incredible. No, things. I think he was likely terrible to his staff when he was Attorney General, Bobby Kennedy. I mean, you know, he was not yeah. later, but you know, but you know, yeah, yeah, he was ruthless. To yeah, yeah. You know, I don't so, know, but I don't know even that. Yeah. So I'm going to go not guilty. Not guilty. Um, I'm going to abstain because I don't care, and neither does anyone else on the planet. And this is one of those stories <laughs> that comes up, and there is zero chance we will be talking about it or remembering it. Certainly in a year, but I would argue in a day. Like it just doesn't matter. Most of these things that we get exercised about. People in South Dakota don't care. People, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's people in South Dakota they're not even paying attention to Amy Klobuchar. It's so weird. Um, nobody cares, and 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 nobody should care. Like this is, uh, and I, I I don't mean I'm not dismissing the story. It's a good story, well sourced and so well, I, I well reported. But but like man, I, I just I can't work myself up. Yeah. And any passion about it, and I'm and I'm trying Which is so hard. fitting for Klobuchar, right? I am, but I am <laughs> trying very hard to minimize passion and outrage. Where Wait, is she where, a senator where we're, or is she a House member? No, senator. she's a senator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. uh, so, but you know, we we get so uh, exercised about you know who's the latest person to you know we're gonna choose somebody up for. You know, I don't know, man. I got. I, I'm. I want to stay laser focused on the person who I want chewed up, and he's in the White House and the, and the cadre of uh, fools and sycophants around him. All right, right now, what's your prediction on who was a Democratic primary? Oh, I am now uh, more convinced than I was uh, uh, before yesterday. Uh, Sanders, Ben, Kamala Harris. Those are the two top choices, I think. Yeah, those are. I, I think that's clear. One and two draft picks. Um, I think that uh, I'm going Klobuchar. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, he's the Bill Belichick of political. Because I like to bet. I like to hit on a 19. But you're asking <laughs> me again. You're asking me likely or not. Not who I would support. Right. Although, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. although I like. I like. I like. I like. Bernie Sanders. I always have, and I, I like Kamala Harris a great deal too. And I'm not exercised about the things that. Many people about that are exercised about. Yeah, her Ben, about. I don't know if you know this. She's a cop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, again, it's one of those criticisms that I'm like, I think you want to pick a criticism that hurts her. <laughs> how about her whole handling with of Steve Mnuchin's bank? I mean, how's she gonna get around that? That's a big issue. To me, uh, that, that's that's worse than Hillary taking all the Goldman Sachs money. You know, I think it's an issue. I don't think it's a worse issue, and I don't think it's a necessarily a big issue politically. I mean, you know, it's going to matter to a lot of people. But we'll see. She has she has great political skills. So you know, that's I say this all the time. That's where your political skill is tested, and how you're able. That is an obstacle. You know, everybody, all candidates have obstacles. She created that obstacle herself. It's going to be you know, Elizabeth Warren created an obstacle herself. And now, to me, appears to be running back and forth over the obstacle, continually falling down on it. Yeah, well, so that's the next story I wanted to get to. So she put on Texas State Bar application in 1986 uh, that her, uh, she was Native American. Yeah. 
Uh, so and now everybody's in a f- frenzy and like, do I know it? We got her. Got her. But wait a minute. Wait what a minute. was the advantage of her doing that? Like, exactly my point. Zero. So in in fact, if you just sit and think about it for one second, you realize that it actually proves the opposite. That's right. Because since there's absolutely no advantage in putting your any race on a bar application, they it only says right above it for statistical purposes only. Yeah, not only that, if you haven't taken the bar, it's just an exam. It's all in the exam, it's all in your answers. They don't look at your race, they don't care about your race. It's just not a factor at all, not a little bit, 0%. No, they were compiling who takes the bar. Yeah. What percentage of white people, what percentage of black people, what percentage of Latinos, What? that's all the reason they wanted to know that. So Elizabeth Warren is obviously incredibly bright, Harvard Law professor eventually, etc. But um, so she knows that, it's not an advantage. So why did she put it down? She put it down because she genuinely believed her family was Native American. There is no other reason to put it down. No, and specifically at that time, the older generation in her family, the ones who had talked to her about the family's Native American heritage to whom those to whom it mattered most, they were old and sick. And she was like feeling, wanted to feel connected to them. Yeah. So podcast guys, we're done. tyt.com slash join to become a member. We got another half an hour for the members. We'll finish it's this. It's like the time. longest show in the world. I mean, how long is this? Yeah, two just, hours? Just no, two and a half and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an hour and a half uninterrupted. So we'll talk a little bit more about Elizabeth Warren here and then Maybe get into. I'm worried that Mueller is not going to get him. I'm more worried every oh, single day. I don't day. think he's going to get him at all. And in fact, I want to talk about like the third rail topic: collusion or no collusion. Oh uh, so, but I, because there's an import, super important distinction to make that I want to make. And and anyway, we'll talk it through. Uh, but thank you for for listening. For those of you uh, listening to the podcast, and again, a free trial for a week. Uh, if you like it, get the rest and get all the old schools you want, tyt.com slash trial. Thanks for listening to this free clip of Old School. To get the full episodes and more exclusive content, become a TYT member today. You'll love it. Join now at tyt.com slash join.